Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal and Andy Brampernard and Timmy Lammers will join us. Everybody's lost their minds and we'll prove it to you right after this with the family. <laughs> Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Oh, here we are, Bradshaw and Brian, too. Now, was that a half hour? Because if it's not, it wasn't a half hour, he'll bitch. Uh, it was a minute eight, so Damn not it. quite. Wow, eight seconds over. Yeah. How unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> Walter Automotive Group, Walter.com. We were talking about this this morning on the uh, morning show. There are certain times of the year where it's advantageous uh, to be shopping for new cars, and this, from now until actually the 3rd of January is when these incentives are going. The manufacturers this time of the year, they all try to beat each other's ass. So the way they do it is they'll put extra year-end incentives on a lot of vehicles. So you can go to walzer.com. One's that caught my eye this morning, an HRV, not a lot of people know what this is. It's a smaller version of the Honda CRV, which Princess Catherine drives. You can sign and drive at least one of those right now for two seventy nine a month. They've got a. This is a cool deal. We're going to be talking about making commercials afterwards. Nissan Sentra. J Lo came up with this. It's called the Sign and Buy. It's zero out of pocket, two ninety nine a month, and at the end of the term, you actually own the car. So really? a lot of cool deals. That's a good um, idea. So this, if you're in the market for a new car, this is a good time to be shopping. And remember, if you buy a new car from Walzer, it comes with Walzer Care, which is a 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty, absolutely free. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. All right, got a few things to get to. We got Tire Carver coming up. We got Tim Lammers coming up. I just want to run three quick stories down here because politically we have lost our minds in this country and I don't know what we're going to do. I, you, know, you could do what I do. I just start drinking for breakfast. That's what I should do. You're absolutely right. You sons of bitches. Bourbon on your pancakes? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be perfect. Play more Leonard Sinners. So apparently it wasn't enough for San Francisco to demand... Uh, now, the people don't want it. The, the residents of San Francisco don't want it. But the city wants to rename uh, Abraham Lincoln High School. Mm-hmm. They want to name, rename Lincoln High School. They, they haven't said yet what they want to name. At least I haven't seen that, right? Okay, well, it didn't just stay with Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson and all those guys. San Francisco Board of Supervisors are going to rename Zuckerberg Hospital. Oops. He gave $75 million, a $75 million donation to a hospital wasn't enough to earn Mark Zuckerberg a like from the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. The board voted 
10 to 1 this week to condemn the naming of Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital after the Facebook founder Business Insider reports. Uh, the reason they want to they, they get rid of him is they, they accuse Facebook, Facebook, quote, of endangering public health with oh, COVID God. misinformation. Is, uh, this I, is where know, the world's going, buddy. I understand the liberal agenda to a point. But when they, the guy's donating $75 million, $75 million to take care of people. Not enough. Uh, he is a kind of an odd cat. Oh, he's, he's not very my favorite. Extremely he's odd. Not, like, he's not murdering yeah. children. He's a very weird guy. It's like right. when AOC gave uh, uh, Amazon the finger when they wanted to build that big center. Yeah. In New- it's yep. like you Cost- just kissed off 30,000 jobs. 30, what yeah. are you yep. doing? You're absolutely right. Okay, so we move on from renaming Abraham Lincoln. We move on from there to renaming Zuckerberg Hospital. And we found out yesterday, thanks to um, Louis Farrakhan, you know, thank because you know, even keel Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> Snappy dresser. Did you hear what he said about Kamala Harris? I did not. He said, we are on the verge. We're right there, ladies and gentlemen. We have a person who's one step away from becoming the first black president of the United States. Are you kidding me? He actually said that. Interesting. And then I found out why he said it. He has never considered Barack Obama to be black because his mother's white. Well, yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. Well, Lewis is well. What's the term for it? He's a racist. Kind of high yellow, isn't he? I mean, he's well. Not, that's true. Yeah, yeah I can I mean, see that. Yeah, I can see that. The darkest of African Americans. But no, I don't know. Barack's the wrong kind of African American, oh. man. You're, you're not the right kind. Now, Kamala Harris, <clears throat> her father is from I think Jamaica, and yeah. her, her mother's from India, I think. Yeah, so she's, she's only Asian half black too. So she's African and Asian. So yeah. So what is he talking about? I mean, seriously, this guy is seriously mentally ill. Well, yes. Does it, well, maybe you're the only person that listens to him anymore. I, oh, no, I, just, I don't. <laughs> I just happened to hear that he said we would have our first black president. I said, he can't be that stupid. But turns out he is that stupid, but in a different way. What a, just a flat-out racist See, moron. I would have assumed he meant black female, but he, 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 but he never right. considered Obama to be black. black. Mm. Nope, he's not black. His mother's white, so he's not black. Okay, Lewis, did you ever consider yourself a murderer just after Malcolm X died? Yeah. Do you ever consider yourself that there, uh, Lewis? How he can still be in... He orchestrated the massacre of Malcolm X, from what I understand. That seems to be the common thought. I don't know. It's just the whole thing is just unbelievable. It's thought after thought. Nothing may ever top, though, the, the... your Christmas decorations are offensive. Yeah, that no, that's, that's brilliant. One of the greatest things about that is when I come here from my house, I come north on Highway 100, and I talk to Tony. When you used to go south on Highway 100 down by Minnetonka Boulevard, there's this huge menorah there every year, this time of the year. But the way they reconstructed the exit ramps on Minnetonka Boulevard, there was no room for it anymore. Mm. I thought, what are they going to do? Well, this would be terrible. I loved seeing that thing. Yeah. Well, it's on the other side of 100 now, and it's about probably a couple hundred feet, a few hundred feet south of where it used to be. It's right in front of the Opitz Outlet now, right on oh, 100, okay. kind of by uh, Life, L.A. Fitness, yep. right there. So there is a Which menorah Which used there. to be Walzer Ford. Yeah, right. Yep. It used to be Walzer Ford, right, exactly. So that's where the menorah is now. And I looked at it, and I thought... A woman knocked on the door and said, your Christmas wreath is, is obje- objectionable because it's offending some people. This menorah is about 25 feet tall, <laughs> which I love. I love seeing it. It reminds me of being a kid and seeing the old one in the old spot. I love it, but apparently 25-foot menorah is okay, but a wreath on your front door is not. 
I remember, and I don't know if it's still there. When we first moved to Minnesota, we lived in Forest Hills, which is 494 and 7. It's it's right, right. where Catherine got rear-ended. We lived about yeah. a half a mile from right, Williston Road, yeah. And if you were drive, uh, I guess, north towards Highway 7 on 494, on the left side of the road in Forest Hills, there was somebody put a huge Star of David up every year. Right. For like 25 or 30 years. I don't right. know if they still do it or not, but it was cool. It was, mm-hmm. I thought it was neat. Yeah, I don't know why people get offended. Let people celebrate. Settle down. You know, I got to tell you, you know, Kwanzaa signs are fine. Black Lives Matter. You want to do that? Menorahs are good. Christmas are Why? Why can't you be happy for someone else? I know. They're happy. Leave them alone. Uh, we got Tyre? Yes, we do. Tyre Carver, you racist. I know. I heard you oh, say that <laughs> Obama <laughs> never changed a tire in his life. That's what I heard you say. Probably not wrong. Me too. Barack Obama and I have that in common. You don't want me anywhere near changing a tire. I can guarantee you that. Tyre, did you ever hear the story about Timmy Laudner and me going to play a softball tournament? Uh, Sure, I've heard it, but uh, go again. So good move. Timmy Laudner and I are up north. We're going to go up to meet Passolt at his cabin up in Hayward, near Hayward. Minong, Wisconsin, actually. We're going to meet, uh, you know, Paul uh, Majors is up there and Passolt's up there and all these people are up there. And Timmy Laudner and I are driving up and I get a flat tire. It's like, oh, damn it. I pull over and I go to get out of the car and Laudner goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to change the tire. He goes, no, you're not. If I'm riding in this car, you're not. So he went and changed the tire himself so I wouldn't change it. Oh, no, and Timmy probably was able to pick the car up with one hand. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, Tyre, what's happening with, with you? With your luck with light bulbs, I wouldn't uh, trust you with a tire either. Okay, there we go. It was the the dome <laughs> over right, the light right. bulb. It was the dome over the light bulb, not the light bulb itself. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. You're right. So, what's how's the family, by the way? Family's doing good, and uh, that was one of the reasons I wanted to call in. Um, it's actually our 15th anniversary today, so I want to wish my oh, wife a very happy man. anniversary. Absolutely, happy anniversary. And Thank you. And uh, with next week being Christmas, I want to wish everybody that's listening a uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you. Tyre, you and your family are terrific people. I'm very, we talked about it on the air this morning. A woman called in named Ruth, and she won a contest to go up to uh, Border Lake uh, Lodge and do some fishing up near Baudette, Minnesota. She was so incredibly pleasant. And I said, I am the luckiest man on earth. Our, our listeners, you guys are just amazing people. You actually do care about other people, and you're happy for other people. And it's a thrill to know you, man. You have a wonderful family. Well, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you have to be the head of a wonderful family. That's true. Somebody's got to do it. So is this, is this your second marriage? Nope. Your first? Okay. No, I was, Listen I was to way you. too immature chasing, chasing race cars and oh, yeah. you know, thinking only of me for a long time. Or me now. <laughs> More me yeah, well, now. It's true. Well, pretty, so, pretty much everybody I dated up to that point wanted me to get rid of a street rod, get out of racing, or try to change me some way. And it was like, ah, uh, no. That won't be happening. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Yeah, it wouldn't be happening. Nope. I can't see that with you. All right, young man. Well, enjoy the holidays. Happy New Year as well. Merry Christmas. Please extend uh, that uh, salutation to your family. They're very, very nice people. Will do. All right. Thanks, Tyre. Thank you. Talk yeah. to you soon. Bye. Tiger Carver, seriously, he and his entire family, you could not meet nicer people.
Where are the caramels? You didn't ask about that. Oh, I should have asked about the caramels. Where are this year's caramels, Tire? Way to go, my friend. Take take him off the list. Those things are good. I know they are. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I suppose because of COVID, he can't do it. Yeah, it's one of those deals. We did a little Mm -hmm. uh, a little investigation this morning. You know this whole um, we got to shut down. We they. Thank you, Governor Walls, for opening up outdoor dining when it's 21 degrees. I thought degrees. that was a joke. I did, Honestly, too. I thought, yeah. well, at least that's pretty funny. Uh, oh, no, you're <laughs> serious. He's serious. Um, Wisconsin, they have a 25% capacity rule, but nobody's following it. No, they're they're not. not enforcing the law at all. And their infection rates and death rates are no different than ours. Not one bit of difference. Did you know... The incidence of picking up COVID is 1.7% in restaurants. It has nothing to do with eating at restaurants. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they decided to do this and turn on restaurants the way they have, but they're threatening to end people's careers if they don't shut down when they're told to. I don't know what's wrong with these people. I really don't know what's wrong with them. You get you're way over the top with your control of the masses thing or something. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's. Enough now. After the first of the year, when everybody gets, you know, I don't, I don't care if it's May. It'd be great if it were, you know, March or April. But the end of May, how about opening up restaurants for Memorial Day? Well, I, you know, I think once they start getting the vaccine to the elderly, and I understand the strategy of not overrunning the hospitals. There's no, a, absolutely. There's a few in in Los Angeles and in Reno where they had to set up field hospitals and parking ramps. Right, because they get so, and they don't have enough healthcare workers to take care of them. So I, but most of them, the people that get that sick are older. Yeah, so we can vaccinate Absolutely. them first, and 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 just you know at least keep the hospitals available because you know people are going to need them. I agree. Why do you think it is that, Mister? I'm very impressed with my, my. Let me just say again, ladies and gentlemen, if I ever have to see Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, or Andrew Cuomo again in my life, I might just move to another planet. <laughs> Those are five of the most annoying people I have ever, ever seen. Why, when we got a ship into the New York Harbor to put people in the hospital rooms, they never used it? Why did they do that? Well, I, you know, I, I did look into that because i thought it was really odd it was it was there to not take covid patients but to take regular hospital patients oh, if oh, the hospitals wait. get overrun right okay that's what it so was. if you had heart attack people whatever it was stroke it was it was set up to help those people so, so why didn't they and do that it? was my first reaction well the, the hospitals never got over overrun in in the early days of the pandemic because that was what april and may mm, that's probably april and may yeah probably right so you know i was i thought oh this is just stupid these guys i'm like well actually okay that does make sense to me because they didn't have they didn't have respirators they didn't have all that equipment that they needed for a severe covid patient so the idea was yeah we got to take a break here but before that i gotta ask you like uh, most of the women that have worked for him has andrew cuomo ever grabbed your crotch i don't no, if I, I had to sign a, what's it called, NDA. <laughs> Non-disclosure yeah. agreement. Neither worth, confirm nor deny. It's worth 50 bucks. $50, baby. We'll be right back. Little Timmy Lammers joining us next right after this. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO from North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, you work with many different types of businesses. Can you tell me about one of them? Absolutely. 
Real Fishing was started by a young entrepreneurial couple here in the Twin Cities. They offer guided fishing services during the open water season and ice house rentals in the winter. They came to us with a great idea for their business, but not a lot of experience in getting one off the ground. Now that they're up and running, they've told us how much they appreciate that we listen to their ideas for their business and help them work through all of the contingencies that could come. Knowing that we will be here to help them every step of the way with the capital they need. Yeah, they're not going to get that at just any bank. You need Bilski. Tommy, our whole team at all of the branches take pride in providing outstanding customer service and are ready to help our clients when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. By now you've all heard me talk about MyPillow and how it's literally changed my life. My friend Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, fit me for my very own MyPillow, and I haven't stopped raving about them since. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. Made in the USA. If you don't have a MyPillow or know someone who doesn't, now is the time. Because for a limited time, Mike is offering his premium MyPillows, yes, the one that started it all, for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for $29.98, regularly $69.98. That's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more, by the way. Folks, now is the time to buy. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, but they are the best Christmas gifts ever. $29.98 for a queen-size premium MyPillow. Buy now, and Mike will extend his 60-day money-back guarantee to March 1st, 2021. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code TOM. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. We always play this real happy music whenever Tim Lammers is coming on. (laughs) I like it. Timmy! It's, it's, it's very soulful, Tom. It is very soulful. You're absolutely right. Very soulful music. No question about it. So what would you think of those opening stories? We had Tiger Carver on to say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, wonderful guy. Um, yes, sir. No, I just, I'm very, very lucky. I'm a very lucky guy. Our, our listeners are an unbelievable group of people. Oh, yeah. Well, like like I said this morning, I mean... Every time I'm on the queue, I, I hear from K- uh, KQ listeners on Facebook, and, you know, I, I like to give a shout-out here and there, and I right. certainly did with Aaron this morning. I mean, they, they, they're they the people that make it happen for, for everybody, you, you know? are correct. That show has been it'll just going into its 36th year in just a couple of months. Wow. It is unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. Unbelievable. Indeed. So we were talking about that. Did you watch the show next? No, no, I God, did not. Really good. You know, you almost kind of, uh, kind of scared me with it. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I can understand some people be frightened as hell because what they talk about is what's going on right now, anyway. Well, there's there's that mind f, and then there's the mind f with the social dilemma on Netflix. Right. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. No, you watched you that. Know, mm-hmm. and, and you know what? I, I, as many times as it happens, I forget what my wife was talking about this week, but next thing you know it, it's on her, you know, her 
Facebook feed or something advertisement for yep. something she was just happened to be talking about a couple minutes before. It happened to me yesterday. I was talking on the air about Mike Bilski and screwing around with Bilski and blah, blah, blah. As I was talking about him, a North American Banking Company commercial appeared on my screen. Wow. It's like, oh, God, please. Don't. Sure that's don't. not Andy just messing with you? No, I think it was Bilski messing with me. <laughs> Emailing him a picture of Bilski? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emailing a picture of Bilski. Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, I think, Doug, you saw the social dilemma, correct? Yeah, I watched it, I think, right, right away. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, it's interesting because it's very creative the way they put it together, and they have, like, three guys that are controlling people's minds. They're puppet masters, essentially. Yeah. And, and you know, that's it's just creepy the way they put this thing together and how they control, they control you. They're in your mind. It's scary. It's yeah. scary stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I really, I, I guess I would like to see next at some point. But, you know, again, if it's going to make me lose sleep at night, I don't know if it's that bad. But It is. It's terrifying, as a matter of fact, what they can do with artificial intelligence and digital now. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I don't know what it's going to do, but if they do break up Facebook and, and Instagram and all that, I mean, what what is is that going to really solve anything? I mean, I don't know with the antitrust. I mean, when they break up companies like that, how does that even work? Andy, you would know better than anyone else. I really don't. I mean, because it's like, okay, well, Facebook owns this, this, and this. They own a corner of the market and and you know don't allow competition i mean so so you break it up you sell it well do you really i mean do you, do you sell it to a shell company i mean what yeah it doesn't yeah, really make a whole lot of sense if you think about it it's like what's no. the difference between a guy owning one company that owns the world versus a guy owning five companies that own the world yeah. you know yeah. Ultimately, it's well, really when they no break difference. it up. When they break stuff up, though, that isn't what happened. I mean, the, the telephone company—that's the, probably the best example. They, right, right. They allowed other competitors to offer phone service. Right. But that's what I don't understand about, and it's probably a good question for an attorney. Um, how do you break up a social media company? Because people will still—they're mm-hmm. so used to it, um, and it's free. See, when they broke up the phone business, the, the reason the comp- competition is they could offer better service at lower prices. Right. But we don't pay anything to use Facebook. Yeah. I mean, as much so as I'd like you, to see Facebook fall into the core of the earth, I don't think <laughs> technically they're really doing anything monopolistically. Oh, yes, they are. I mean, anyone can start a social networking site. Well, really, what right. and Zuckerberg actually was one of the few times I thought he said something funny when he was in Capitol Hill, was it a year ago, testifying? Some senator said, so, you don't charge anybody to use your service. Uh, how do you make money? And he goes, um, we're an advertising company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that's really I mean, like, kind of what well, they and Google Michael are. Bryant for the yeah. antitrust question. Yeah. Google has more advertising, does more advertising business than any other company in right. the world. From what I And understand. Facebook does a lot. I mean, they oh, really they are. When you think about it, they're advertising companies that give their other services away so people can right. look at ads. Did you hear this morning what happened with Google and Facebook? Mm-mm. Apparently, they were both in a little bit of trouble, and Google denies it, and Facebook hasn't responded to it. Apparently, Google has been paying Facebook so they don't compete directly with them. Mm. Yeah. You know how they're paying them? directing advertisers to buy time on Facebook. <laughs> so then they won't they won't compete directly with Google, so everybody wins. Except for of course the taxpayer. 
Can I tell my Google story? Love to hear it. Uh, we use uh, Kelly Blue Book in a lot of our dealerships as a place to evaluate trades. Yeah. Not sure. So the head, the, our rep said, hey, Google wants to talk to some car dealers. Would you be interested in going to California for a couple of days and hanging out? I'm like, hang out with Google and see it? Sure. So we fly out there. And we went to the old part of Google, which looks suspiciously like uh, buildings that were made in the 70s for bachelors. It's, and that's what actually they were. They had, you know, they, had, they were stucco with sort of the German dark boarding oh, yeah, on sure, the outside. Sure. Those kind of joints. I'm like, this is Google. Now, if you go across town, it's nicer. But all these people are super smart, but they don't, every, none of them had any idea what our business was. This woman got up there. And she started this presentation, and she's talking about how important it is to be creative in advertising and that we should do things like Volvo did. And then she played a uh, TV commercial, and you, you'll remember it when I describe it. It's Jean-Claude Van Damme between two Volvo trucks that I are remember. backing up, and he's slowly doing the splits. Right. And she's like, what a creative way to demonstrate the product. You should do that. And I stuck my hand in the air, and I said, okay, that's a $2 million commercial. Car dealers' annual ad budgets are 10% of that. Yeah, there you go. And she went, oh. How would she not know that? I, I, that's what business point. are you in? Boy, that's weird. I think they just they make so much money they just can afford to hire really smart people in, yeah. in hopes that they do something. My question <laughs> is this. Why would I want to buy a truck? Because you can do the splits. I don't get it. Well, it did bring your your attention to the brand. Oh, I suppose. But and uh, Volvo was big in other parts of the world, but not so big in the U.S. I mean, Kenworth, and we get a lot of truck drivers that listen to this. They could always call in and tell us, 561-228-4061. I don't know how big a brand Volvo is in the U.S., but I think that's what that commercial was designed to do. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm sure that's true. You don't see a lot of Volvos in the United States. You see them, but not that many. They've come back, so it's yeah. actually a Chinese company now. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, when Volvo went bankrupt, a company, I think it's called Greeley, bought them five or six years ago, and they're they're really they've come back from the dead. They've, their sales are, are way way up. Of course, they they really couldn't have gone in any other direction. But is Hugo going to make a comeback, Doug? Uh, let's hope not. Hugo. <laughs> Uh, how about Tata? Who? What does Tata own? Is that was that? Wasn't that like uh, Jaguar? No, that's uh, yeah. They own Jaguar. That's a uh, uh, Indian company. India from India. Yep. And they own Jaguar. I think something they own else. something else. They that's do own surprising. Else. They might own Land Rover as well. That might be right. I think it's Jaguar and Land Rover. It's actually an Indian company. Yep. Tata. T -A -T -A. We were at, I was at a General Motors, a GMC dealer meeting. And they were talking about uh, Silverado, Sierra sales versus the F-150 and the, and the Ram. And the guy says, Rams, I don't know why, why anybody would want to buy an Italian pickup anyway. Because <laughs> Fiat, Chrysler's owned by Fiat. Right. <laughs> Just took a slap at him. Oh, I guess. An I, Italian truck. That's rather cold. <laughs> but yeah, Jaguar and Land Rover. It is Jaguar and Land Rover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. There you have it i got to ask you a question. This is a stupid question because I'm sure I know the answer, but has Rolls-Royce ever won a commercial? <clears throat> Boy, I don't remember. I don't ever remember seeing a, a Rolls-Royce commercial. The only, the only, it was in a famous commercial. That, right. Pardon right. me, do you have any gray poupon, but right. I don't think that they've ever had to advertise. I don't think so. I don't, I don't, how many Rolls-Royces a year are sold? I have no idea. I, I, I would be surprised if it's more than four or 5,000. Yeah, worldwide, I would, have to agree. I would say that. I would have to agree. Four or five. How What's do they make the sticker it? price on that, Doug? 
Well, I think the cheap ones are like 350 or 4 and they go up from there. Mm. Wow. Uh, 2019, 5100 Okay. Which is a 20% increase over 2018. So there you go. So You're 4000 4, right 5, on the money. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the next... Exciting version of Andy looks up shit on the internet. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we will be right back, and Timmy's going to talk a little. We're going to talk movies. Going to talk TV. What are we going to talk, Timmy? Well, I want to ask you about a show that I, I believe you said, told, said on Take You that you just started watching. No, nope, forget it. You're out. Bob's Burgers. Yeah, Bob. Right. Yes, exactly. We'll be right back with Timmy Lammers. Tom here for Saber Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Saber and Bryant are teaming up to offer zero percent financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Saber. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This zero percent offer is available for a limited time. Call Saber Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Never seen you looking so bad, my funky one. You tell me that your super fine mind has come undone. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Lammers with us. Now, Tim, you were going to tell me or talk to me about a show that I just started watching. Yeah, I thought you said, which means you took the dive back into Netflix. The Queen's Gambit? Oh, God, we love it. And he, well, do you know the story about Netflix? Everyone in the world has seen The Queen's Gambit. Yep, I think so. I think that's very, very true. But. It was a situation where Catherine kept saying, oh, you know, I'd love to watch that, and I'd love to watch this, and then, you know, but I, she kept mentioning all this stuff, and I finally decided that I would cave, because some people told me that, that the press's uh, take on that whole twerking thing with the 11 years old, and I still don't agree with what they did, don't get me wrong, but typical yeah. frogs over there in France, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> typical. She was a Muslim, actually, to make things worse. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, uh, you know, apparently it wasn't overtly sexual. I heard it was, but everybody else is telling me, no, it wasn't. It was mm. dancing, so I don't know. I didn't watch it, but but from my understanding, I heard an interview with her and did some reading. She wrote that and made the movie as a protest against that sort of stuff. Oh. And where Netflix, I think, really effed up is the way they marketed it. because the, okay. you know, well, the, the name pictures, Cuties by itself yeah. is yeah. bad enough. Yeah, it's, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's a controversial well, yeah. it's, subject regardless yeah. of how it was marketed. Right. But, right. Yeah, well, it's hard to make a, a, a movie that you're protesting the subject without actually filming some offensive stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, do they really need the, you know, like, from the ground crotch shots of the eight-year-old girls I to make know. a point? I don't it's think funny. So. Every time, and I would never watch it. I just, I just, it would be hard to watch, I would think. But every time I think about that stuff, I think of John Benet Ramsey. Oh, yeah, yeah. How can yep. you do that to a little kid? A little kid, exactly. So, Timmy, do you hear how I solved the problem? So how did you solve the problem? I signed up for Netflix. I put it under my name with the understanding that I would never put my wife's name on a whorehouse like Netflix. <laughs> well, so there you go. 
So there you so have it. So how far are you in the gambit? I think we're on four now, the episode. It's a seven, I think, seven-part series, right? Uh, yes, you're correct. I yeah, think it's, it's seven weird on, on Netflix. I mean, you can have seven episodes. Right. You can have 11, right. 13. You know, generally, TV, you would get the 13 uh, or 26 episodes for a season. Yeah. But this, this is a limited series. This uh, uh, actress in it, Anya Taylor-Joy, she's yeah. everywhere now. And she actually signed up for, she's going to play the young Imperial Furiosa in a Mad Max prequel. So she is going to take on the Charlize Theron role for that. But she is an incredible actress, and it's just a great story. It's I don't fascinating. Think I... And, and I was telling Andy and Catherine and uh, I forgot, L.A. Nick, I, I called in last week on Wednesday, I don't play chess. But I am completely fascinated by that show, and I don't even know a damn thing about chess. I don't think her liver could have handled more than seven episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what about you guys? I mean, Doug, do you play? I know Mike Bryan and I were texting about it, and he played chess. I, but, I played you know. a lot when I was a kid, and I, I, I remember why my uncle was a big Bobby Fisher fan. And Bobby Fisher, I think, was from Rhode Island. So growing up in the 60s, uh, oh, yeah. when he's playing yeah. Boris Baskey, I was, you know, was, I think that was 68, so I was 9 or 10 years old. That's when I started playing. And I played against my grandmother and my dad, who were pretty good chess players. And when I was learning, they would start and they'd take both of their uh, rooks off. So as soon as I could beat them without their rooks, mm. then they then they put them back on. And it, it, I, I don't play much anymore, but I did enjoy it for quite a number of years. You should have Mike... Uh, tell the story of it's a similar sort of situation where Tom, have you seen? The, I don't know if it's in that episode yet, but the girl goes into school where she takes on all these chess kids, and mm -hmm. they're all sitting, yes. kind of like in a semi, not a semicircle, but you know what I'm saying, yep, semi rectangle, um, and uh, you know goes one by one and beats them all. And Mike uh, has a great story about uh, when some chess guy came into his school. And he was one of the kids sitting there playing. So ask him about that. I don't want to screw up his story, but uh, no, he got his ass kicked. I'm sure. I know the end. <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, not what you would have expected. He didn't get his ass kicked, but he Damn he, it. he he felt it were a victory, a moral victory. What happened? Oh, a moral victory. Okay, well, never mind then. Well, I'll just victory. tell it. Mike can Mike can call in, or, or you can ask him to to uh, clarify it. He said, he, you know, the guy was just mowing everybody down. He gets to Mike, and he says, hmm, and then he went on to kick his ass. But he said the fact that he actually had to pause and think for a second, and it was kind of like an acknowledgment of, hmm, interesting. Okay, now I'm going to mow you Yeah, down. but wait a second. <laughs> what if he paused and went, hmm, this guy's going to be really easy yeah. to beat. <laughs> well, <laughs> it could be. Like I say, let Mike clarify the story. There you uh, go, but, right uh, yeah. there. It was it's, it. it's fun to watch, and, and that's the, the you know hallmark of a great series. I mean, you don't have to know the subject matter to really get into it because it's obviously great show. much more than just the chess, but it's the family <clears throat> situation of hers. You know, the the, the people that adopted her, uh, the you know the orphanage story. Yeah, it's it's just a great series. Well, and plus it reminded me when I was eleven and I used to drink like that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you didn't look quite as good, though. Nah, I didn't have well, that page. Talking girl about or drinking, since you got Netflix again, did you see Mank yet? 
No, I definitely want to see Mank. I, I, I just watched that fan. a couple days ago. Huge that fan. That boy could put some liquor down, man. Oh, that's what I hear, yeah. Mankowitz. What a guy. Yeah. One of our listeners wants to know if anyone's seen Someone Feed Phil. No. I've never What's even that? heard of it. It's on Netflix. It's uh, about Phil Rosenthal, executive producer of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah, great guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he travels the world, eats food, etc. Yeah, he's a really nice guy, too. He's a really good guy. Yeah, he goes to Bangkok, Saigon, Tel Aviv, Lisbon, New Orleans, Mexico City, all over the place. Places that you wouldn't think would be associated with food, really. Does he go to Bob's Burgers? Uh, I don't know if he's figured out how to get there yet. Well, let me just tell you something. Today alone, I've been in Golden Valley, St. Louis Park, and Edina. What do you think of that? Wow. You sample the food in each location. Perkins around the world. (laughs) The Perkins. I would like to go to the left Perkins that are still open. I'd love to do that. Someone should make a a TV series like Someone Feed Phil, except it's just McDonald's in every country. It's like, how does the Big Mac differ from Korea to America. I watched, oh, it doesn't. Uh, there's some weird sh- food show where they eat hot sauce and then interview yeah, people. Yeah, spicy ones or yeah. whatever. Oh, and yeah, I watched an episode. Hot ones. Alton Brown was the guest. Hmm. Who's kind of a, he's a, he's a pompous elitist, but he's a pretty interesting guy. And he's a, also apparently a private pilot. And he goes, I got a great idea for a show because there's municipal airports all over the place. And there's a pilot. You can fly in there and you can take a car. And they have all these fabulous little restaurants nobody's ever heard of. So I wanted to do a show about flying into these little towns and then uh-huh. going to these cool little restaurants. I thought that's actually a would be, I would watch that. So does did the chicken wings add to the show in any way? Well, it's all about they give their impression of... The different hot sauces they they line up a whole row of them from really mild stuff to mm. you know paint peelers and uh, I watched two of those and that might be enough episodes I watched one <laughs> that's plenty Trevor Noah was and he uh. was he was pretty interesting as well hey Doug I, I'm curious what did you like Mank I did yes it Tommy you have to see it yeah I do um, I just because do. of Orson Welles <clears throat> I didn't realize that this. He was 24 years old when he went to Hollywood to make this his yep. first picture. Yep. 24 years old. Now, we just watched another show about Orson Welles, and it's at the other end of his career, and it was just terrible. I mean, oh, he, he, he spent five years trying to make this movie that made no sense at all with John Huston. Yeah, right. Exactly. The end of his life isn't the most uplifting oh, thing in the world. I saw him just uh, not that long before he died. I was out in Los Angeles working at Buzzies, and he was in the building. Did I ever tell you this story? You did. Oh, God, did you ever hear this one, Tim? It's worth repeating. All right. I go in the front door, and Orson Welles is coming out as I'm going in. So before I go in the hallway, I realize I ain't getting by him. Yeah, because he's about five at about that point, right? About 500 pounds at that point, exactly. Did he get stuck in yeah, the hallway? Well, he was walking down the hallway, and his driver came up and said, Oh, Mr. Welles, just, just wait right here. Uh, I, I apologize, but I'm around the back of the building. And Orson Welles said, oh, don't worry about it. He could not turn around in the hall. He was that big. So then that night I went to, oh, what's the name of that restaurant? Spago? Was it Spago? Sardi's? Yeah, yeah. It was one of those. Canter Deli? I just happened to. Lazar's restaurant? One of those. I don't know what the hell it was. It's, God, I know which one it is, but I can't think of it. But anyway, I go there just for the hell of it because it's a very famous restaurant. And there's Orson eating dinner by himself. With two bottles 
not just bottles, but two magnums of champagne. Were they Paul Masson? Oh, <laughs> ah, I, I don't French. think it was. Oh, the French. With well, a fine cuisine. I tell you, I've seen two portrayals that have been uh, so dead on with the young Orson Welles. The one is this guy. He's some British actor. He's a dead ringer for Welles. The other one is in Ed Wood. Oh, yeah. Yep. Tim Burton's film from 94. Great movie. Vincent D'Onofrio is Love Orson Welles. Love Vincent D'Onofrio. I mean, D'Onofrio. it was great. I mean, right, and yep. he is a fascinating character. There's no question. Oh, yeah. And Ed here, Wood you know, you, you come to find out old. that oh, you know, he didn't want Mankiewicz to have credit on Citizen Kane. And Mankiewicz realized when he was sober it was the best thing he'd ever written. You know, when so yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> I love that. What's well, that? when he was sober, he realized. <laughs> yeah, well, you're going to see this guy pound some liquor. I mean, Oldman is in this thing, and just as brilliant as he always God, is. God, he's such a great actor, isn't he? Oh, I mean, my God, he's great. I might have to point out again, of all the guys I grew up with, there were 40 of us total went to school. We didn't hang out together all the time, but the school group, the hangout group, the sports group, those kind of people, there were 40 of us. There are six left, and most of them died the same way Orson Welles did, I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. Do you think you should slow down, or you're just going to keep drinking out of that 55-gallon drum for Christ? It'll sake? never happen to me. No. I'm invulnerable. That, that's exactly what they thought, too. Ah, it's not going to affect me the way it does a lot yeah. of people. Well, Orson, Kenosha, Wisconsin native. What, is, was it Kenosha? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, because obviously you read up on him after you see a film like that, and I think he was only 70. Three. I'm surprised he was that old. Yeah, me too. He died at 73. Let's see. Uh, how old was he? He, he was, was 73. I'm not he sure. was 70. He was only 70? Yeah. Well, so was, uh, I Why? believe, Jackie Gleason died at 72, didn't he? I think so. He died at 70 years old. The uh, hard life, you, uh, you're you lucky to get to 70. Both. 71. 71. Another Both. version of Andy looks up shit on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Here we go. Well, you don't have yeah, to look that up the podcast. <laughs> You don't have to look this up. Mankiewicz didn't last as long as Orson Welles. No. Oh, died in his 50s or something, did he? And it wasn't that long after the film. And, 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 oh. and Oldman was playing, you know, he was much older than what he was playing. But I think Mankiewicz was in his early 50s, yeah. Hmm. Oh, God. It's I, often when it catches up to you. Well, in the early 50s, if you're that big a boozer. Yep. Yeah, man, several friends of mine. As a matter of fact, one of them, I won't say who it was, obviously. that like, Most people would know it is, but... I saw him about a year before he died, and I went, oh, my God, what happened to him? He looked horrible. Well, I mean, he only lived so long without a liver. And that he was about, I don't think he was 50 yet. I think it was in his late 40s. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't, I could. I barely could tell it was the same person. It was really yeah. that bad. It was really scary. Drink responsibly, kids. Yes, kids, if you're going to booze it up today at the house. Didn't Orson say that in his commercials for Osti Spumante? <laughs> did he do Osti Spumante, <laughs> too? Spumante. He did his Paul Masson. It was Morgan, Morgan David. I forget what the commercial was. It was Paul Masson. Come on, it was a very Tony brand. Mm-hmm. It was low-end French champagne is what it was. It's fermented in the bottle. He did a commercial for peas, too, didn't he? Yes. Uh, in um, July. Yes. yes. What was that? It was peas grow what, there. Wasn't Jolly Green Giant? Who was uh, it? Oh no, God! What was it? <laughs> was it Bird's Eye? It was one of the vegetable brands. How drunk do you think the ad agency was? I know. I'll get Orson Welles to do a commercial about peas. Um. Uh, what commercial was he recording when he said those famous words? That was I the, will. 
blank blank on you. Yeah, that was the... Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I think, I think that was the piece. That was the piece in July. The we know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Yeah, yeah that's uh, Findus or Findus. It's a British brand of frozen foods. <laughs> oh, it's Findus? I thought it was one, an American brand, too. Uh, apparently not. I always thought it was, too, but no. One of the greatest quotes on that entire session when he's recording those commercials, the guy says, Orson, Orson, would you hit the word in a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. a little harder? In July, in July, we grow the peas. And Orson Welles says to him, you show me how to use in July in a sentence and I'll go down on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like telling William Shatner, no, you tell me how to do it. How do you want? Yeah, exactly. Sabotage. Oh, yeah, you say sabotage, I say sabotage. <laughs> you know what you want. God, it's oh, wonderful. Bill Shatner. God All right, work. Timmy, behave. I will. Guys, have a great weekend. And, uh, Tommy, I guess I, I, you're on next Thursday, correct, on the queue? Uh, on KQRS, I will be on Thursday, yep. Yes, yes. So we'll uh, be doing the reviews as usual next week. All right, Pally, we'll talk to All you right. a week from today. All right, see you guys. Thanks a lot. Bye, Tim Lammers. Special guest coming up on Car Selling Secrets.